Hello and welcome to the Sage Space. I have counts a lot of people that have had similar situations in terms of cancer and we've had to discuss this and always have really lengthy discussions and, and I've cut hair from very, 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 very long to really short and it's a, it is a really emotional um, journey and an emotional thing. Post-cancer, I wanted to create a space to have conversations with the many creative people who offered up their knowledge and wisdom of how to move through this challenging time. Often practical, definitely insightful, and always infused with optimism, these conversations are a joy to share. As the designer Alan Moore says, the act of creating something of beauty is a way of bringing good into the world. Infused with optimism, it says simply, life is worthwhile. Today, we're talking about hair, or lack of it. Where do you go when the realization dawns on you that you're going to lose your hair? Why is our hair such an emotional part of us? Well, my first guest is a man of many talents and no ordinary hairstylist. Jimo Solako has been creating iconic images through his 20 years of session hairstyling and photography. He's a lecturer at the London College of Fashion, set up an art and photography magazine, all the while pursuing his passion as an acclaimed filmmaker. When I knew I was going to lose my hair, Gimo's the man I made a beeline for. And as my locks fell to the floor, Gimo proclaimed to me he was going for a mere pharaoh in Rose from his baby look. My heart soared at the possibility of it all. My inner power restored. Okay, mere pharaoh, if even for just a day. I think you get the picture. So here's Gimo talking about hair. So, Jimo, this, this mm. is the Sage Base podcast. Great. The first question right. I like to ask people is, how have you found some space for yourself today or this morning? It's difficult because um, just with my two kids, um, there's get, you know, getting things ready for them and working on that sort of that kind of level. I like to um, have a coffee in the morning, have breakfast, you know, before I set out on my day. So I guess there's, um, you know, about sort of half an hour before things really start to, to move. And I've got space to actually um, just have catch up on emails, check the sort of um, schedule for the day. So, yeah, there's that. that and do you find uh, living outside of London gives you a bit more headspace? It does, it does. And I mean, I'm in London so often. But I think just having that kind of distance is quite nice, just to um, have a little bit more reflection. Just being by the sea is also quite helpful. Do you ever go in the sea? I have on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cold, but nice. So <laughs> it wakes not, you up. You're not into the Wim Hof method going cold swimming every morning. Ooh, I've got people that are, but um, I, I haven't sort of found time for that yet. <laughs> I mean, look, it's on the card. It could be on the cards, though. I'm not, not, I'm not ruling it out. So, I mean, team, I first came, I first met you. I, I was trying to work it out. It must be, when did you have your, open your salon on, on near Bayswater? 212. 212. So, yeah. I, so I reckon it was 2012 I first came wow. to you. Having looked for someone who specialised in curly hair. Right. Someone who talked about, like, the mood of hair and the form of hair and kind of like hair having a real sensibility and I know you've talked about hair being kind of and hair design being a bit like a sort of architecture like building on things from the base upwards yeah. 
Where did you get this sort of influence from? I mean, really, it's something that stems from my upbringing, to be honest with you. I mean, certainly when I started to get into uh, fashion um, in the early 80s, I was, a, I was a mod, and that really started to sort of introduce me into, I guess, a sort of art culture, w without potentially realising, just by sort of being into music, being street style, and then I started to do more research, and sort of history in the 60s, 50s, and modernism, and what that meant. And really, I think that was that was the beginning um, of my sort of interest. And I think when, once I um, started developing in my hair career, um, I started looking at other aspects of um, symbolism, creativity, and what that could mean. And, and also, um, working at Vidal Sassoon really helped because it was all about, he was really into sort of architecture um, and sort of having that equivalent shapes and form so that sort of really inspired me so I started just looking outside of the, the material of hair uh, and seeing how things could uh, influence some of the things that are some of the shapes and some of the sort of creations that I was trying to do with the fibre of hair. For you was hair the first sort of building block I mean was, was, was it that was it hair that that you looked to as a as a career? Hair was the first career move if you like and that was so everything stemmed from from hair that was I guess my passport into creativity into art but really unwittingly really unknowingly just sort of happened in that sense it wasn't a sort of um, a kind of romantic vision from the age of four or five to sort of do this channel of hair and and what have you really again it was just support um, I mean Sassoon's wasn't the first place I went um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a salon in Croydon Domino's and really it was to support my uh, clothes buying um, ah. in that sense really and at that time well like who, who were the big names in in hairdressing the big names in hairdressing um, Trevor uh, Sorby okay I was really inspired by him actually what he was doing um, what in what way I think because he was doing really experimental, well, I thought it was experimental things with hair, using it um, in ways that made the material seem like something else, like a tree or, look, you know, it was kind of really sort of, I, I thought quite experimental. Um, there was also um, a lot of salons, um, well, in particular salon in Scotland called Irving Rusk, and they were doing incredible things, I thought. Um, Tony and Guy was really interesting there. Um, there was a guy who um, was called Anthony Mascalo, who was really, really interesting, and doing some great things with hair, and that was very inspiring to me as well. And these are all mostly men. Yeah, but I think it was, at the beginning, it seemed to me, I mean, there certainly, there certainly yeah. were um, women a lot of women sort of working with, the fi with this fibre. But it's interesting because I think, I suppose that the, the kind of focus it seemed at that particular point was very male-centric in terms of the, the, the um, certainly when I look back on it and think about that, the people that were really being um, pushed in the magazines were all men. It's interesting. And what is it like, what is it about cutting that you love? I think it's to do with image making, you know, and shapes and, and, and designing, really. I see it as a design. Um, and, and I guess that's why I have that equivalent. It could be 
architecture, it could be sort of um, pattern cutting of clothes. Uh, it's 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 really how I see it is, is process, um, and cutting is a really really interesting. Um, I guess it's a good feeling to be able to sort of to shape something to bring out the beauty in somebody. Uh, there's something really sort of lovely about that, and just the feeling of sort of cutting hair is a really nice. It's a nice feel. I find it quite relaxing, actually, to be honest with you. I mean, I remember when. So when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and I think I, it took me a while to get my head around the fact that I would lose my hair. But also, I did, I mean, as you were saying, I just didn't, I don't think I'd really connected losing my hair with an emotion or with it being a part of me. I'd sort of, it, it was very abstract to me. Yeah, yeah. But I remember thinking, okay, well, if I'm going to lose my hair, I need to come and see someone who can give me a really good cut to, uh, to sort of, I mean, I guess in a way, take a bit of control back to the situation yeah. to actually slightly dictate how, it, how I would lose it. But I definitely remember when I came to see you and I had, I had longer hair and I knew I was going to lose it and we discussed together what we were going to do. And you were thinking, okay, well, I'll you know, we'll just chop a little bit off and we'll do it. And I was like, no, 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 I want to go for a full cut. Mm. And you did an amazing cut for me. And it was really interesting because I don't think I'd ever realized how powerful not having hair could be. Mm. And that I'd always associated people with having long hair and lots of hair as a, a sort of symbol of health and good health. But actually having very little hair, a very short haircut, I felt... I walked out and I felt really strong and I felt really sort of empowered and positive and it was totally not what I expected. Yeah, I think, I think it's a really interesting thing because we, when we go back to the, um, we'll talk about the Petrarchy in the sense of, um, you know, you mentioned about long hair in that sense about, you know, but, you know, maybe, okay, was that supposed to be more feminine and short hair in that sort of a way? But actually what I found over the years, and I think certainly, um, when you look back at certain historical movements uh, like in the 20s and 30s and, and of course in the 60s with this um, flapper and the sort of bobs and what have you, I mean it, these were sort of movements, these were sort of political movements uh, in terms of um, you know strength, in terms of sort of power and in terms of sort of claiming that sort of power back and not being um, this sort of idealized male version of what beauty is so that's that's quite interesting in that sense and I found that um, I find that a lot of times um, you know if someone um, embraces that in themselves and then the confidence comes out with the you know with the, with the short hair in that way and, and how they how they wear it um, and of course you know it's it's a personal it's a personal thing um, I do I have cut a lot of people that have had similar situations uh, in terms of cancer and we've had to discuss this and always have really lengthy discussions and, and I've cut hair from very, 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 very long to really short and it's a, it is a really emotional um, journey and an emotional thing. Obviously I've got the confidence to do that but at the same time there's, there is a lot of talking and there's a lot of um, you know reassurance about 
um, what this means. I mean, it's going to be cut in some way, it's going to go in some way. So at least if it's if it's catered for and if it's um, if the process is uh, facilitated in a you know in a sensitive way, an empathetic way, then you you can reach a, um, a destination that hopefully is agreeable. I mean, from your clients that you've that you've seen going through a cancer treatment or mm. losing their hair for whatever reason, autoimmune disease or whatever, what do you, would you advise people? I mean, is it from what you see the um, the emotional reaction people have to losing their yeah. hair? I mean, if you let it just fall out organically, is that something that people find very dis distressing? Does it seem to give people more confidence if they sort of actively go and talk to a, a stylist or a hairdresser about what they should do. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I know for, for at the start for me, I just didn't want to even think about it, talk mm. about it, but I mm. think I suddenly reached a point and I thought, no, I've got to. But what do you see from the people you, your clients? I mean, clients? from my experience, I've, I've found that people, um, when they talk about it, or what they have spoken about it, decided to sort of to talk about it and, and come to me and to talk about that. Uh, that it's given them real confidence in facing up to the realization, fully facing up to the realization that there is going to be a fundamental change with um, a, part, a part of them that maybe it may have been taken for a given in that sense. It's, this is always there and what have you, a confidence or whatever reason uh, that there, there will be a change. And so they've in my experience, you know, where people have come to me and said, right, well, this is going to be happening, and we've spoken about it, and how can we make the journey um, a little bit more, uh, just give it a little bit more of an ease to it, in that sense. So I've tried to help in that way. Um, you could, they could potentially um, let it just go, but then that's the confidence thing too. I mean, it must be intense seeing the hair come out in that way, um, so I, I totally understand that, you know, and, and I guess depending on what treatment, uh, what cancer treatment is going to be taken, at some point the hair would be needed, and specifically if someone's going to be having a, an ice cap, then the hair would have to be cut in some way anyway, um, whether it's a hairdresser or whether it's at the hospital. I had that haircut with you and then I went in to start my treatment. And I had no idea whether to use one of these ice caps or not. And then someone suggested to you, well, why don't you just give it a go? Just give mm. it a go for the first time. I mean, it was, it was so horrific. I found it so painful, I couldn't think. I, I hated it so much. And I think I virtually cried for three hours on it. I mean, I think the temperature goes down to something like minus seven. I mean, it is freezing. But the weird thing was, the next time, I couldn't decide whether to have it or not. Whether, to, And I, in the end, I, my husband was like, well, you know, just have another go. And then in the end, I ended, up, I ended up doing it every single time. I would say a lot of my hair stayed. And so in some ways, I don't feel as though I was brave enough to let all my hair fall out. I lost a lot of it. I lost my eyebrows, my eyelashes and you know all of my bodily hair but I didn't actually lose all of the hair on my head and I've really admired people who 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 have who've been through that because that must be really hard I think for people having having someone that they feel that they can talk to I think that's really 
that's that's an important part of it and having that sort of empathy uh, that they can discuss that and then of course having the sort of the technical the technical ability to create something that can work how do people go down the route of decide okay they've lost all their hair and they want and they want a wig are all wigs created equal no i mean so you can have lace fronted wigs which um, are really quite amazing specialist wigs that are made up um, real hair wigs synthetic wigs and what have you i mean so there's a variety of, of different types of wigs um, and there are specialist shops that um, one can go to for consultation and uh, fittings and, and what have you um, and then it's a question then of having someone that can cut the hair or cut the wig convincingly in that sense um, and I guess that's where you know I come in in that way and of course there are other, there are other people Trevor Sorby does a uh, service um, uh, in this in this field too. So would a pi- would would you would you choose your wig from wherever you wanted one of the specialist places, yeah. and then you'd bring it in and and you'd cut it with someone wearing it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And what's and, that, what's and that think, like? Well, I mean, because I, um, I guess you know my my initial backgrounds salon work, and then I went I moved into doing session work, which is um, image making, which is magazine work, mm. videos. This, this type of uh, fashion shows, that, that world, if you like, for 20 years. Um, and during that time, you're working, with, you're working with various, you're creating images. So you might be on a film set, you might be on a, on a, a magazine shoot. And, and of course, you might need to, and often, change the appearance of the person, the model, the actor, or, or, or whoever it may be. So your bag of tricks, your bag of tools includes wigs, hair pieces and what have you and shows you're using these types of things. So I've got a, uh, an understanding of working with that from a technical point of view but also from an image point of view. So I bring those um, attributes, if you like, to uh, the salon or to these situations um, in terms of fitting the wig on and then of course then my cutting um, skills are used to, to create shapes and, and what have you in that, in that sense to fit faces and in this kind of a way and then there's another aspect to this it's just it's also about lifestyle and it's also about um, philosophy and it's also about sort of how, how someone kind of carries himself it's also about what they wear there's, there's a lot of things that are involved in, in creating a look it's not just I, I never re, I never work from a okay this is in fashion so you have to do this it's, it's really about someone's lifestyle and I think you know it's often you might see someone uh, or you might go to hairdressers um, this could be a sort of a perennial complaint where someone just puts their uh, kind of authorship on someone else in that sense client in this case this is a great look blah 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 whatever uh, and it might not just, it doesn't work on them. I mean, it's not, it might be the best haircut in the world, but if it doesn't suit them, then it's not great, you know? So for me, it's, it's, it's just have to be, there has to be this sort of understanding, this, you know, is it, is it really you? I mean, you, you're jogging every morning and in a sauna, you're tying a ponytail most of the time. So, I mean, there's got to be some level of, um, you know, consultation yeah. about the life and then we can work things around in that way. What, what you're describing is more of a sort of a holistic, like... 
it's really yeah for me it's 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 really interesting it's kind of holistic um consultations hairdressing consultations holistic hairdressing consultations hair cutting consultations i think which is why you spend so much time with someone yeah i think i think it's really important just to sort of get to sort of understand them and i think you know that when you're doing a shoot um you are building lots of different types of images and 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 um ideas and you're throwing things around to sort of create uh, a particular um shot or a particular image within a shot and that takes a lot of thought and specifically if you're working for brands um you know what's what's the what's the look of the brand what what the, what's the message that the brand wants to convey so all these types of things are really important in terms of how you execute them so you're trying to sort of send this message and that takes conversation you know it takes thought it takes research so research is a very very important thing and that's something that I do and, and when we go back to um, my earlier upbringing and I mentioned about me being a mod and doing research and looking into the 50s and 60s and 30s and modernism what that meant and what have you in across the board whether it's furniture whether it's architecture um, design politics um, you know the historical aspects of things so all those everything for me connects and, and I bring all those early experiences into what I do now into consultations into branding uh, into design visualization and what have you so everything has a reason and, and I guess I understand it more I'm yeah. still learning, but I understand the origin of where it's come from, and I use that now. And I, I mean, I, it's, it makes sense now because you, you go for a haircut, and sometimes you, you, if you want a different cut, it's, it's, it's very much to do with how you are feeling now. The kind of, you, you might be going through a period where you want to look very sort of feminine, or you might go through a period where you. You, you need to, uh, I mean, I think when I was going through my treatment, like I, I really needed to feel kind of a bit more um, sort of stronger and empowered because I was feeling so kind of scared and kind of small inside. And it's, it's interesting that you, that's exactly what you say plays into everything when you have a, con- a holistic consultation with mm. someone. It's what's going on in their life at the moment. What, what, or what, what image are they trying to project? Yeah. Because, I mean, and, and not in a superficial way, but what, what, is, what is going to make them comfortable with how they are at the moment? Yeah, and, and, and the feeling, and, and again, you know, you answer it, and um, or answer it, you sort of suggest that um, how you, want, you wanted to feel stronger, you wanted to feel these types of things. And, and so there's, a, there's an aesthetic in a sense that we knew, we knew that the hair had to go shorter, but from an aesthetic point of view, but also when we talk about going shorter in this um, anti sort of um, stereotypical sense of femininity, uh, long flowing hair. I mean, I'm, there's nothing. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong in that, but the, the sort of this kind of male gaze of how with some men of how women should be in this way and long flowing hair and, but of course when you have um, and we talked about those periods and, and, and also now where you had uh, this sort of strength in 
taking the hair off and feeling confident in I've got my short hair and I'm working this and in this sort of a way and there's a confidence in that and there's a strength in that and there's a beauty in that and it crosses over and it, it goes beyond this idea in my opinion um, of uh, femininity or masculinity it's something else actually it goes to, to it plays on something else um, but certainly it, it, I think it goes against this perceived notion of what that should be and often uh, and you've experienced it yourself, it brings out a certain strength. I, you know, I'm not interested into sort of what's right or what's wrong, it's just what, how someone, I'm interested in how someone wants to feel. Yeah. And ultimately, I want people to feel good. That's what I'm, that's what I'm I mean, I think technically I can achieve a lot of things now, after 30 years, I think. <laughs> but I think I'm, I'm, what, I'm interested in, what I'm interested in now is trying to, um, I really want people to feel good. Now, I think if someone feels really good about themselves, I'm being presumptuous here, but I'm, I'm sort of, I feel that if they feel good about themselves after what we've created, whether it's an inch, two inches, three inches, 10 inches, whatever it is, then you've got something, you've, got, you've made someone feel good. So wh however that style looks, if they feel great, then I've succeeded. Um, or shall I say, we've succeeded together because it's a collaborative thing. That's a fantastic, that's what I'm aiming for. What about with men? I mean, how do men cope with losing their hair? I mean, I think increasingly more men are becoming more conscious of, of that. But society has always had this, it seems, this sense that um, it's okay. I think a lot of men still, um, you know, they, they feel confident about it. I mean, you know, not every man, but I think it's because of the way how society is sort of treated, uh, that aspect of it. Um, with men and women, it's, it's a different scenario in that sense, you know. Uh, if a woman loses their hair, there seems to be a lot more pressure. Is that a society thing, you know, historical, mm -hmm. what have you? It's definitely, but with men, it seems that... Um, you know, they, they, they seem to be more accepting of that in that sense. That's not to say that, you know, you, I do have um, male clients that are very conscious and we cut the hair accordingly as much as we can. Um, of course, there's some people go to extremes. There are um, hair transplants and um, these types of things. Uh, and that's become more prevalent. Um, I mean, what kind of a relationship do you have with your hair? Me? Mm. Well, well, it's going, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I, I suppose I, I'm, I'm not really too fussed about it, to be honest with you. I mean, I just, um, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm always thinking about someone else. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm like, you know, I mean, look, I've just, it's whatever. <laughs> she must have been so cool Fantastic. chatting to you. I've, okay, I just want to, we end with a few questions. I'll read a question and you, you answer one or the other. Sure. Books or magazines? Um, books. Running or yoga? Running. Hair serum or hair wax? Hair serum. Photography or film? Film. London or New York? I'll say London. Because you're from here? Um, I love New York. I do really love New York. And, and the photography and film is a difficult one because I love photography. But if I had to choose, as you say, I'd say film. Hot bath or a wild swim? A wild swim. 
and dancing or meditation? Um, dancing. And what's the sagest piece of advice you've ever been given? Do your own thing, really. And what piece of advice or wide, wise words, wisdom, would you impart to people listening? I would say do what personally motivates you. Uh, I think that's where you find the real kind of essence of creativity. And creativity is key. For me, it's key. I think it really is. In anything you do, I think create, be, you know, being creative is, is a fantastic thing. I mean, and this goes to economics, this goes to, you know, finance, business, science. art, science, whatever you choose. I mean, but the creativity, and there's creativity in all those things, by the way. Um, yes. I think that's, that is the key, I think. Cool. Thank you so much. Well, it's been Thank an you, absolute and, and pleasure. And where, where could people find you if they wanted to? I think the best place to uh, find out a little bit is my website, which, which is, is um, jimosalaka.com. Perfect. Brilliant. Thank you, Jimo, and thank you for listening. I'll link some hair resources in the show notes and people to contact, including Gmo's website and details. And a huge thank you to my music-making friend, Julia Ross, over in New York City, for putting together the music for this podcast. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>